Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the bridge. We're so grateful you're here this morning. What a wonderful atmosphere of worship uh, just a few moments ago, uh, hearing, hearing you uh, sing and praise and worship. Um, it's liberating when we open up our heart to God and allow him to do the work that he intends to do. Our prayer as a church is for us to have these meetings on Sunday mornings for us to uh, create an atmosphere where we can get in tune with God and experience God in a real and tangible way. And hopefully and prayerfully, uh, we see those things happen each and every week as we come into this place uh, seeking to hear from him, to feel him, and to know him. <laughs> the sermon series we're in the midst of now is titled If Slash When. And this is week two. We'll be continuing these uh, through our baptism weeks the next couple of weeks as well. And we want to make sure that you don't just put that off as something that you don't need or that you, uh, it's a break, uh, a time to get away from church. We want you to come because you should celebrate with others who are being baptized, that we want it to be a celebratory service where that we can experience together the goodness of God and to witness people uh, openly professing their faith by following Jesus' pattern in water baptism. Amen. And it shouldn't be if you get water baptized. It should be a when thing like prayer, that Jesus isn't asking you if you want to or desire to, but he actually commands us to be water baptized. And um, it is an expectation that I think he will have uh, when we get to heaven. And I wouldn't want to be the one to say, well, I didn't have time after you've been saved for five years and say, I never got around to it. If he commands us, we should follow his commands. Amen? amen. Everybody say amen. amen. I'm not telling you you can't get to heaven if you won't get baptized, but I'm telling you he tells you to and he expects you to. Because mostly it's about breaking the fear of openly professing your faith. And when we get saved... We know the goodness of God comes in our life, and we experience that, but it's a hurdle that we have to jump to actually openly profess to our friends, neighbors, and community that, hey, I have been saved, and here is my profession of that salvation that I've already experienced. And that's what water, water baptism is. And the church uh, will make sure and help you promote that because we will take your picture and we will post it on our uh, social media platform so that everybody knows, wow. You mean them kind of people got saved? Right. <laughs> kind of like our testimony last week. Amen. Amen. Even how I can sit in a church house. Imagine living in a world full of people who is infatuated with the will of God. Jesus came to change the world. And more specifically, he came to change your world. He came to initiate the will of God on planet Earth. You're here for a purpose, and that purpose is to live in the center of his will. 
this if and when is listed in Matthew chapter 6 as we talked about last week and read all of Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 18 and we got a lot of stuff to cover today our kids will be coming back in shortly they're going out there and training and regrouping uh, anxious to come back in the sanctuary and they got some specials for us at the end of service so we get the little fellers back in here real shortly so I don't want to be too long-winded today so you can read that and we know that that's our text is Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 18 but I do want us to uh, recite uh, the prayer that Jesus taught because this is about praying this sermon series is teaching us about prayer so let's repeat that prayer as Jesus laid out and he told him pray like this verse 9 Matthew chapter 6 everybody say our father in heaven, father in heaven. Hallowed, be your name. hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever amen what a beautiful prayer that jesus specifically taught the disciples during the sermon on the mount and all those that gathered together to hear from him how to pray and when we become christians we feel strange in praying and I know it's easy to get on social media platforms when somebody says they have a need and we'll say prayers, do the hand clasp thing, uh, all the emojis that we can come up with. I like my little bald guy with, you know, kind of my hairdo and my beard. and I like that little emoji guy there. So we use those and we'll say prayers. And Jesus was teaching his disciples and those that gathered together to hear the Sermon on the Mount because a lot of people had gathered together. He had uh, brought about gatherings of people to hear what he had to say. And prayer is something that most, if not all, believe in in some form or another. And prayer is something we have to work on and work towards that we intentionally try to pray and sometimes we don't know what to pray we studied this a few uh, months ago during our first Wednesday and there's a place in Romans chapter 8 that tells us when we don't know what to pray that the spirit will pray through us and for us when overwhelming situations face our life and dark days and it seems like a black cloud is following us Praying becomes hard. But Jesus didn't just pray, say pray in the good times. He was teaching them to pray during all times. Apostle Paul goes on to say pray always in all prayer and supplication. And all the, all the uh, New Testament believers, we read all through the New Testament. If you start all the way in Matthew and go all the way through, you'll see people praying 
often. And we should use this as a pattern of life for our Christian faith. So as I was thinking about that and how that uh, Jesus begins this prayer with our Father. So that's a relationship position. And Jesus even tells, you know, the stories of how the, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount that the Father knows what you have need before you even ask it, right? So he will make a way where there seems to be no way, even, they, even though sometimes you don't even know what way needs to be made. But this relationship pattern that he said, our Father. So, our Father. When you come in relationship with God and you ask him to be your Savior through Jesus Christ's sacrificial gift on the cross of Calvary, God becomes your Father. That's hard for us to accept. Because just like Leslie said a moment ago, when we're living in our humanity and we fail, we think that relationship is broken. And we think that we can no longer pray because now I've failed him. Is there anybody else in the room or am I only talking to myself here? So this relationship is built upon the acceptance of the blood of Jesus to purge you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And it's not saying that you're perfected at that point and you'll never fail again, but in the failure, you continue to have an advocate with the Father that's sitting on the right hand of God that's making intercession for you and me. Intercede means to pray on behalf of. So Jesus is our intercessor. He's sitting on behalf of his heavenly Father and he's praying for you and me. And when he looks down and sees us, he's reminding him, they are ours, Dad. And now they are one of yours. And fatherly relationships, we can understand on our fatherly relationship that we have with our parent here on earth because I know if I have needs, I can call my dad and he's going to do the best he can to come through. But guess what? Sometimes dad says no. You hear that, Tommy? <laughs> Kenny, sometimes, sometimes dad says no And the mom's in the room saying Pastor, don't go on that trip Don't go down that rabbit trail That's not going to work Not allowed to do that, right? Don't, don't go down that road Because how many knows what kids will do When dad says no Run straight to mom Try to <laughs> Whoa <laughs> Now the truth's coming out I always knew that and then they'll pit the two together, right? They'll go, well, he said, she said. Mom said I could if you said I could. Yeah, uh-huh. Mom didn't say that, but they can use it together to make it all come together. I want to go to so-and-so's house after church. I love watching that during the after service here at church. Little kids running up. Grayson wanting to run over to, you know, somebody's house. and eh, No. But Ledger's mom said I could. We got a dinner, son. Dad says, no. I've witnessed it. So as I think about that relationship and how that we need to decide that our relationship with our Heavenly Father is one where that he desires the best for us. Nothing's been wasted. Amen. 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 That he knows full well who I am, what I am, 
how I act, how I react, what I do. He understands that. His relationship with me is not based on my actions, but on my acceptance of his son's blood to cover my sins. So as I was thinking about that pattern of relationship, Jesus was teaching this to those disciples and those that were gathered there that day to try to paint a picture for people to understand this is the pattern that God wants relationship with humanity. And you got to understand in the context of who he was talking to, a bunch of Jewish people that had lived their life that couldn't even write the name of God with pen and paper because his name was so holy that they wouldn't even write it down, that God is revered as being so holy and so beyond our capability of being in his presence that they won't even write his name. And still today, you can go through and read Jewish writings, and if they write something, if it's a true Jewish person that's of the Jewish faith today, they will write the name God, and it's G, and they'll put a dash and a D. They won't even write the name or word God. Because he's so holy that it's impossible for humans to approach him. How many knows Jesus changed that? Because God came in the flesh, born of a virgin, lived on this earth to prove God wants a relationship with humanity. That is you, that is me. He came here to prove that to us. And this relationship is something that was abnormal to anything anyone had ever experienced. And sure, in the Old Testament, we've seen Father Abraham. We, we knew Melchizedek came, and we know that there's all these pictures of a form of God showing up in the Old Testament and appearing to humanity. But they were afraid and scared to be in his presence. Jesus does not want you to live in fear. Amen? He wants you to live in faith, in believing and knowing that God cares for you. So Jesus was teaching us, our Father. And when we look through this prayer, we have to start there. Because Jesus is painting this picture, how to pray is to begin with the acceptance that I'm in relationship with God. I am his heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. So when we start a prayer, Father. We are painting a point to God to say, look, I know I'm in relationship with you. Even though I don't feel like it, even though I may have just sinned like Leslie said five minutes ago or 50 years ago, I still know that as I'm praying, I'm beginning this prayer with relationship with you. So as I thought about that, that is there other pictures of this type of relationship that God wants and intends for churches in the world today, to live in this knowledge and understanding that there is a, a fatherly approach in relationship. And when I, I think of fatherly approach in relationship as far as concerned in church services, I don't want to be known as Father Ben. I, I prefer Pastor Ben. That's, that's just fine. I like Pastor Ben. And if you want to call me Ben, that's good too. Sometimes when I text and message people, it's just PB. It's just who I am. It stands for Pastor Ben, so that's just how I want to approach you. But there's this man named Paul, the Apostle Paul, that had someone that he looked to as a son in the faith, he calls him. It's in 1 
Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, my beloved son in the faith. So this paints a picture of relationship and alignment. And when we come in a relationship, it aligns things to where that they need to be. God prepared us for relationships. He intends for us to have relationships. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want us to read this for our text today. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. This is Now think about this from an approach of a fatherly figure to a son. Kind of like Jesus teaching us to pray. Okay? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. This is Paul to Timothy, writing a, a letter to his son Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. You got anybody that you're thankful for? Amen. When we're praying for all people, don't just say some. He said all, right? Verse 2, pray this way for kings and all the all those who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Everybody say, that sounds easy. Pray for kings and all those in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. How many would like to live peaceful and quiet lives? Pray for authority. Pray for those in authority. Pastor, that's hard when I don't like them. Amen? Pastor, that's hard when I don't agree with them. Pastor, that's hard when they're from the wrong political party. Pastor, that's hard when they're from a different country and they may be of a, a, a group of people that I don't like very much. Yeah. And you need to understand that this is Apostle Paul telling Timothy to pray for those that are kings and in authority. And this was living in a time where that they killed people and they sawed them asunder, he talks about in Hebrews, because of people's faith in Jesus. And it, Paul is saying, pray for them. Jesus taught this. Pray for those that despitefully use you. It's Matthew chapter 5. Pray for those that abuse you. Pray for everybody. I love it that Paul starts that way, and then he says pray for those kings and those in authority. Verse 3, this is, a good, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Verse 5, for there, are, for there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. Relationship. Everybody say Relationship. He brings us into relationship with God. And Paul is telling his beloved son, Timothy, Jesus Christ himself makes us, forms us into relationship with our Heavenly Father. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And I've been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Some people like controversy. 
And Paul is telling Timothy here, when we pray, to lift our hands. Yes. Everybody just lift your hands. I know. Everybody here, just lift your hands. Yes. How to pray, lift your hands. Holy hands, too. Without wrath and without doubt, right? So as I'm doing this, you guys give up awful easy. Hold your hands up. You you out there in TV land, too. You're on the Internet, and I know you're sitting at home right now. Go ahead and lift your hands up right there wherever you're at. Keep them up. Holy hands. I want you to turn them over and look at them. I've got greasy fingernails, <laughs> scars. I see pencil lead right there. That was from Stephen Smike in ninth grade <laughs> in art class. <laughs> he paid me back. Keep your hands up. Don't let them down. He paid me back because I'd stabbed him before. <laughs> Anybody got anything there? Look at him. That thumb, I broke it racing last year. It's kind of crooked. It's shorter than the other one. Got a big knot right here. Keep them up now. Don't, don't get tired. Don't grow weary and well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not. Right now, amen. So are you looking at your hands or not? Karen says arthritis. That's what mine feels like, I think. What's hers? Arthritic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the same. Just a, yeah. Wrinkled. Yeah. Anybody's tingling yet? Tingling? Okay. All those things that are imperfect about your hands. As you paint them towards him or point them towards him. It's actually you saying, yeah, I'm imperfect. But I'm reaching towards the perfect. Put them up a little higher. Reach towards the perfect. Brandon was in a wreck this week. He's got to hold his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Now I want you to bow your head. Keep your hands high. And whether you're praying silently or you can pray openly if you want to. I want you to just pray a prayer of faith of whatever you need from God right now. I'm surrendering to you. And God, I'm asking you. pleading with you. Father, thank you. You're in heaven. I'm here on earth. Holy is your name. God, give me daily bread. God, forgive me for my trespasses and help me to forgive those that trespass against me. God, bring heaven to earth through me.
has been wasted. Nothing. Amen. You can put your hands down. As the Apostle Paul is teaching his beloved son here how to pray, to pray for all people, I urge us as a church to do the same. Pray for people that you don't like. Pray for people that like you, but you don't like them. Pray for everyone in all places. Paul also went on to say in verse 2 to pray for those kings and those in authority. So I'd like for us to go on record today as being a church that prays for the authority that God has lined up according to Romans. It tells us in Romans they taught us to pray for those in authority. This isn't just one place that we can take Paul's voice to say this. There's multiple places in Scripture that tells us to pray for those in government. Because they execute judgment. Because when we pray for those in authority, as he said, we can live a peaceful and quiet lives marked by the godliness and dignity. Prayer sounds easy until it's time to pray. And praying is kind of like lifting our hands a minute ago. It's easy to get tired pretty quick. Amen? It's funny how we can binge watch Netflix and get on a whatever the latest craze or whatever. and That's, that's no endorsement of Netflix. But if it does, they're going to have to give us a Donation to the church, ain't we? We're advertising for them. We, yeah, so. Albie talks about binge watching. She'll get on a kick and take off watching some whatever. And I mean, I mean, it's like when one ends and the next one starts to come on, you think, just one more. Anybody ever binge watch? Is there any binge watchers in the room? Raise your hand if you ever binge watch something. All right, so when you're watching it and you're like, you're just one more. And it might even be a work night. you got to get up real early in the morning and go to work. And you'll be sitting there thinking, well, just one more. And next thing you know, you're going to end up 2, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning still watching a, just one more. When you know you've got to get up at 6 or 7 and go to work. It's crazy how our mind will do that, and we are okay with that. Well, if we had a prayer meeting every 28 minutes, you had a regroup to see if you wanted to go for another one. How long would we go? Now, I've talked about this often about Used to whenever I would go to Raceland Church when I, where I was saved up there with Pastor Wells and and I loved that church. I loved those people and and old saints would have prayer meetings. They would call them and it was actually where it was just praying. It wasn't preaching. It wasn't singing. It wasn't all these things. It was just prayer, just old fashioned prayer. You could lay on the floor. You could sit in a chair. You could you could sit there and read your Bible and pray your Bible. You could do whatever you wanted. 
And I would go there and I would pray and I'd think, man, you know, you run out of things to say like two minutes later. Amen. Amen. So you're there, and the next thing you know, I thought, well, I'll just lay down here on the front pew, and I'll just, I'll just lay here and pray a minute. The next thing you know, you wake up 30 minutes later, big old drool bubble <laughs> snot hanging out your face right on the church pew. Yeah, you've probably said in it somewhere. There's been a lot of prayers prayed on these chairs here. It's okay. And it's kind of like that when Jesus went up on the hill, he told his disciples, stay here with me and pray. He was getting ready to go through the cross of Calvary, and he knew this, he had to endure this thing that was happening, and he told his disciples, pray, Peter, James, and John, go up here on the mountain with me, pray. And he come back down, and they was asleep. We're all guilty of not praying enough. When we get in trouble, we'll pray. It's when it becomes real. Yes. Amen? Amen? And Paul is telling his beloved son, pray. Always, he says in other writings he has, but here he's telling his beloved son, Timothy, pray for all people. Amen. How many knows a lot of people? Know a lot of people? By name? You, you can walk up to somebody and you'll know them by name. Think about this. What if you would pray for all people that you know? By name. Be a lot of praying, wouldn't it? And think about all the prayers that would be prayed every day if everybody prayed for all people that they knew. Amen. And that would be a good thing. So Paul's telling, if you don't know what to pray, start thinking about people. And let the Holy Spirit bring to your remembrance people that are in your life that need prayer. I'm trying to teach you how to pray. Pray for people that you can think of because the Holy Spirit will bring them to your memory. And he will, he will bring them and you'll say, wow, what a picture, and I know they're facing this, and I know going through this. Because when you sit there and think, I don't know what else to say, there's somebody that needs prayer. Be that agent that prays. To intercede beyond their behalf is what he told his beloved Timothy. Pray this way. So as we're doing that, and we go through this repetition and think about praying for all those in authority, what if you start with your magistrate and you go to your, your county uh, judge, maybe all those officials that are in authority as far as voted on, that are facing situations going on, and we start at the county level and go up through the state level and go all the way through the, the national level. You know, if we get into Congress and get through all those people that you know by name, and then, then you go through your president, and then you go through all the way up through the authority all over the world and think about all the officials of the world that you know by name. Start praying that way. I promise you this, you won't run out of things to pray about. If you struggle to pray and think, I don't know what to say, start thinking about people because that's what God does. He loves people. And if we're going to be like him, to be Christian means to be God-like, right? Christ-like. Jesus prayed for people. He prayed for people even when he was dying. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was the people that was stabbing him in the side with a, with a, a spear and he's sitting on the cross praying for them. 
He didn't just teach his disciples to pray during this one time on Matthew chapter 6. He did it until he left this earth and didn't have a voice to use again. And then when he come back from the dead, everybody say amen. Amen. Forty days later, he's standing there on on the hill, and he goes up into the crowds and he tells clouds and he tells them, "Pray, stay in the upper room and pray. Tarry you in Jerusalem. We need to pray. The world needs us to pray. Prayer is relationship. Jesus wants us to pray, and know that God is our Father.'" 